Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to I Want You to Watch This. If you are listening right now, you should go ahead and click that subscribe button, that follow button, whatever it is on your platform that you listen to podcasts on. Just go ahead and subscribe to us. Leave us a review if you're on iTunes or if your podcatcher does have a rate and review feature. Please feel free to leave us a review. We would love to hear what you have to say. And if you have any movie suggestions, you can always send us those too over on our Twitter at IWYTWT. All right, let's get ready for the show. Alright, so this is like kind of random, but it's been like a crazy week for like uh, country music, which I guess kind of relates to this movie. I um, was unaware that you followed country music. I do not, actually, <laughs> which is actually why this is such a phenomenon. Uh, there's this, uh, I guess he's a rapper, his name is like Lil Nas X, and he like came out with this like song that was called like uh, Old Country something or other. I don't remember. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, it was like this whole thing where it was like it was like this like country like song with this kind of like trap background. Oh god! And he um, like released it. He like got to like number one on the Billboard charts or something like that. And then like the Billboard charts like removed it from the countryside, like removed it from uh-huh. the country charts. Right, reclassified and then, it. Yeah, and then uh, in response, Billy Ray Cyrus came out and did a remix on the song and was like, hey, fuck you, Billboard. Yep. <laughs> We're going to fucking make this go number one on the country charts. And that's what happened. So, And, and this <laughs> is all from a song made by somebody called Lil Nas X. Yeah, yeah. So we are like, running out of band names. <laughs> <laughs> like first, I thought it was bad with Dashboard. What, no, no, no. Car Seat Headrest. It was like, oh my God. We're running the out of, of There's another one called Magic Kitty Surprise. <laughs> um, there was like a whole spread of yeah. like, uh, uh, I can't remember what the name of like the big like hip hop magazine is because that's, how far out of like the, <laughs> the world, like yeah. pop culture arena I am is like, and like every single person on that page was like a rapper that was like, this, these are like the top rappers of this like time right now, and I'm like, cool, that's very good indication that I am not of this time anymore. Like this, <laughs> this is not me anymore. I am not on the leading edge oh, yeah, I, of I, anything. I, I recently <laughs> had the same conversation with a coworker of mine where it was like. I never thought that I'd be like in my 30s and being like, I just don't understand the music of children. <laughs> and I, I find myself there. Like, yeah. I give it a chance. I gave Post Malone a chance. I don't understand oh, it. Uh, oh, I don't. The Simpsons called it back in the 90s where <laughs> like the Grandpa Simpson is talking to Homer and he's like, hey, you're just not with it. Like, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. And now it, what is it seems strange and scary to me. <laughs> and it'll happen to you. <laughs> Yep, uh, yeah, we're all getting old, and yeah, time travels time passes, on. Yeah. Time passes, um, time passes. Yeah, speaking of the uh, inevitability of death, let's get into Slow West. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is the movie that we're doing. Uh, this is our 
101st episode, and so to celebrate, we're doing 100 plus one, and our plus one is one of our original hosts, Woo! it's Mr. Dennis. Hey, I started all of this, I'm yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> to end it. <laughs> the podcast ends with this. I am the alpha and omega. No, that's not true. We're all going to die at the yeah. end of this. Well, um, all of your lip gloss. Still be a shot of all of our dead bodies. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the movie that we did was Slow West. Uh, it is a 2015 movie from A24, which, you know, we love A24 on this podcast, and Film Twitter in general just really loves A24, but that's because A24 actually does a lot of really good stuff. It's because their movies are good. Yeah. I mean. uh, slow, slow West, uh, or as what I was calling it while I was watching it, The Guilt of the Cowboy and the Spaz. <laughs> <laughs> This is like uh, for a movie called Slow S. It actually, it's the pacing is actually like pretty spot on. Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty great. It's I'm great. Like, oh. it, it moves it's, perfectly. Yeah, clocks in at like an hour and twenty minutes. It like moves at a pretty nice pace. I'm like, oh, what, what's slow about this movie? It's, uh, it's doing a pretty good job. Uh, so yeah, we will start out as we usually do with a little spoiler-free review, and once we get back from the break, we'll kick all the way in and drift on yeah <laughs> mosey on yeah uh so yeah uh essentially i feel like the premise of this movie is pretty simple it's a uh young man is trying to head out west to find the love of his life uh a woman named rose and on his way he is encountered by a bandito an outlaw a desperado, desperado yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh named silas and they make their way across the West facing numerous obstacles and, uh, yes, yeah, some interesting conclusions. <laughs> and also, like, interesting, um, um, gosh, I, to say events is kind of stretching it. It's more like situations? I don't know. Set like, pieces. Uh, set pieces, thank mm -hmm. you. That's, like, probably yep. the most appropriate thing. And, like, and, uh, and that spawns, like, uh, um, to me, my favorite form of movie making where it's... The, the maker of this, the creator of this movie, uh, as much as I, I, I am not the biggest Tarantino fan, he also does this, where he understands that the parameters of a movie and he, uh, it's kind of like magical realism, you know, and expands on like, instead of like trying to reenact reality, he puts in these things to make you kind of feel differently yeah yes. it, it bends reality but it adds some this like tinge to it it bends just... reality but it's also very real at the same time yes yeah and again yeah yeah for me like this movie i know i figured that y'all would have loved it because like for me i was like this movie as a genre like a western genre is so formulaic mm -hmm. to me it's like the kate hudson katherine heigl bad rom-com right. it's so fucking formulaic like to me yeah, it was like a like, nicholas sparks movie yeah, yes yeah. this was a nicholas sparks of westerns for me like i actually I rolled my way through the first half and mm. then laughed my way through the second half, so I can't wait to the spoiler-free part so we can get formulaic? into it. <laughs> what? You thought this was a formulaic Western? Yes. Oh, my wow. goodness. I disagree. Because, I because of like, yeah, and a lot of what I was reading uh, on Rotten Tomatoes is like, this is like bending the like and breaking a lot of the formula and the then western. i read the other ones which are like this is laughably <laughs> formulaic so i can't wait but, but yeah. we have to get spoilers to really yeah yeah, to yeah. We'll, yeah no yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it yep. for sure but yeah i do like speaking of that as far as kind of like that um surrealist kind of bent to it it does feel like i feel like it does do that because it is um while nothing particularly supernatural happens the each 
situation that occurs is kind of put in front of the characters as an exploration of like the human condition as opposed to these events are just like what they are each event is kind of like meant to reflect back onto you know the characters themselves and on the human condition itself mm -hmm. as far as uh, you know one of the lines that uh, Jay has is I'm talking about like you know the only two like the two universal things are like love and death and you know that type of mentality definitely kind of goes throughout the movie of finding these universal concepts and just kind of like shoving them into these encounters that they go that they come across as they make their way across the yes. West. Yes, and like all, like a lot of westerns and a lot of genre films, like whether it's sci-fi or rom-coms or comic book movies, right? It's this stylized depiction of reality, right? And that that's the fun and the pleasure is seeing, and there's certain tropes that reappear, and the pleasure is in seeing like the subtle combinations because you have to know the western genre to really appreciate a genre film it's like walking into a comic book movie with never reading a comic book or seeing another one you're like there are jokes in here i'm not getting right, right? or everyone's <laughs> laughing and i don't know why or like why is he in spandex it doesn't make sense exactly to yeah. that there are conventions of a genre so yeah yeah i found that um even as someone who is not particularly into westerns i think like you know maybe the ballad of buster scruggs has been like the the one rest that i could remember having seen like at any point in my life. Yep. <laughs> um, I still really enjoyed yeah. this. And, you know, sure, I'm sure there were things that, you know, I, there were jokes that were made that I probably yep. wasn't able to laugh at, but there's plenty of in there that was still, like, good good humor, including one thing that definitely is going to get into the spoiler territory. But. And, and, and there's, there's conventions in this with Westerns that I find uh, this movie is commenting from a very different angle. Because and I will say, and we'll get into this when we get into spoilers again, but take this movie versus say the searchers mm -hmm. in the way that it talks about native americans and the relationship between white settlers and native americans and i would say they talk about it like the same way and that's part of the reason i'm like this movie is but we'll get there we'll, yes. we'll wait to the spoilers sorry yeah. <laughs> I, I disagree <laughs> um but yeah i do think and another thing as far as going back to like buster scrubs a little bit um it's really interesting to see how Buster Scruggs was a movie that was very intentionally trying to turn a lot of these Western tropes on its head. Yep. And I feel like this movie does that a lot more fluidly without... I think uh, this movie does it more elegantly yeah. than Buster Scruggs does. And that's a hard thing for me to say with how much I love the Coen brothers. Yeah. And I also feel like, especially with, uh, you know, kind of what we talked about in Buster Scruggs in terms of like the dehumanization of like indigenous peoples and like just like the overwhelming whiteness of the West in that movie, like seeing like actual um you know black people that were like out in the west because that was a thing that actually existed yes. then because that was like one of the few places that black people could go to like yep. try and make a life for themselves yep. uh to see you know uh actual you know native and indigenous people being talked about as you know more than just uh you know savages like uh like one of the first things that we do see on screen is kind of like uh, you know, one of the like native like encampments and it's like, you know, like mothers like feeding their children and like kind of just like this like but really like, like a pastoral shot. But before even that, we see Jay riding through a bunch of Native American grave sites like with the bodies raised up facing west. Yeah. Um, and Wait, yeah. Are we doing spoilers now? This is like the first scene okay. yeah. <laughs> so. we're allowed to spoil the opening minute of the film <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, uh, so yeah, Dennis, since you brought this movie to us, yeah. like, what was it about it that uh, really like drew you to the movie? Like, well, um, this is my second time through it. Um, what I love about this movie is that, well, I, I imagine this is what the Coen Brothers masturbate to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as just like, oh, the nihilism of it all. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, and so, like saying that, I mean, is I, I I love it because I I don't know I just find like a lot of humor in that genre, and um, as my second time through this, I would actually classify this as a dark comedy first set in a western setting. I wouldn't call this a western movie. I would call this a dark comedy first, and so and and in that, that's also the reason why it's one of my favorite western movies. Is because it's it's not this like oh here's this tough stoic white dude that's the savior of this town like a spaghetti western of yesteryear. Um, it takes that there is elements of that, but it also throws in like a literal spaz and like this like ridiculous love story that's like I mean he is a magical divining rod you know throughout this whole movie like that's <laughs> kind of the whole thing and like. And you forget about that unless you actually think about it. And that's like that's like my favorite kinds of movies is that like it, it puts you into this world where like if you really think about certain things like that doesn't make any sense. But like that's not the point. You know what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and like and and through that it can it compounds these feelings and emotions that the movie is delivering on. And that's why I think it's just a solid home run. Um, the casting is great. The dialogue is great. I couldn't stop laughing, um, especially the second time through. I picked up on so many more jokes. Um, yeah, I just thought it was an excellent, excellent nihilistic movie. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's kind of like I feel like we can probably talk about like maybe like the first half of the movie without kind of getting too. All right, well, in that case, then I guess we should probably just take a little break here and then come back with some spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie at this point, just like pause it now. It's and, on Netflix, guys. Watch yeah, it. Yeah, and go. It's yeah. watch it on Netflix. It's an hour and a half. Uh, and then yeah, it's, it's less than an hour. Yeah, it's yeah. Right. It, it feels like it's six hours. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong well, with I know. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun discussion because we love it when Tara disagrees with things. Like, all right, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Did you miss us? No? Okay, cool. Well, we're <laughs> going to tell me. you anyway. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we're going to dig into Slow West uh, because there's plenty to talk about. <laughs> uh, so yeah, one of the first things that uh, I feel like we can probably talk about is the whole reason why Silas encounters and decides to help Jay is he is a bounty hunter. And so, as it turns out, um, Rose and her father, played by the Hound, which I was like, That's yep, the cool. Hound, <laughs> the only actually Scottish person who's playing a Scottish person <laughs> of the three Scottish characters. Like one is South African, one is Australian, Australian. and yep. then the Hound is actually Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> so they all have funny English accents. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all have like 
varying accents that kind of come and go. But you heard I, me. Yeah. And I would say that's one of the themes of the movie that they, uh, one of the reasons I don't like it is because they don't do anything with it, but it's like he whistles, uh, we're in spoilers, yeah. Okay, so he whistles uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy, right? And you have people from Canada, Ireland, Scotland, Australia, New Zealand, right? America, these America being the only country that actually had an American Revolution and cut away from Britain, right? That there are all these references to the colonies in there, but like to what end? They don't do anything with it. Well, I'm gonna I mean, keep. I'm gonna keep stopping I the conversation. Didn't, that was the point of any of it. Like I didn't think that they brought any of that up because that was not what the movie was trying to convey. It's hinting at that in how they've structured it and how they've cast it and who's in there, right? But they don't really do anything much with it. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of like that one scene where he's talking about kind of uh, the colonial mentality mm-hmm. of like you know. He's like staring up at the sky and he's like, you know, one day we'll build a railroad. We'll to build the a moon. railroad to the moon. And the first thing we'll do is hunt down the natives. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel like that yeah, speaks to that like idea yep. of like the colonial mentality. Um, I, I, and, thought, I thought that line was more playing up to his um, innocence that Fassbender was kind of elaborating on. It was like, here's this kid that like thinks nothing but the positivity of the West and like and the world around him. Like he just thinks nothing but like greatness around him and so like i think like him talking about like yeah we'll build a road to the moon and then we'll wipe out the moon people like is his like it's just kind of exacerbating his softness of like this like innocent child who's like somehow in the middle of fucking but, yeah the this, this, this child who like also has this guidebook that he won't let go of right like he has an actual literal guide who will do way better than this book but he still like won't let go of this guidebook which exists and i started reading it's on wikipedia Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah, you can read it. It's a PDF on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fascinating, given that we're in Colorado right now. It's like a guide to Yeah, it, this movie is set in Colorado, filmed in New Zealand. Oh. Yes, very obviously filmed in New Zealand. Like, when I was watching, that's actually, like, I have a whole section on landscape in my notes, because I was like, that was my favorite part, right? Like, Spaghetti Westerns, mm. when I was talking about them before, like, seeing how, like, Italian cinema takes the American West and turns it into something, and there's, like, curry westerns where they're shot in India. Mm. Like, to see New Zealand, where I'm like, those are not the Rockies, right? Those are volcanic <laughs> mountains, or that's the wrong type of mustard grass, or, like, like all the kind of... Very, yeah, there's no columbines subtle. anywhere. There's no <laughs> <laughs> The really subtle differences was actually one of my favorite parts of seeing it, like how they try and make the Austra- uh, sorry, the New Zealand landscape look like the American West. Yep. And there are a couple of uh, shout outs to uh, uh, Peter Jackson in there because there's like a couple of references to <clears throat> like exact places where he shot Dead Alive and Part of the Lord of the Rings. Right. Oh. Yeah, there. the yep. forest and the um like a uh, volcanic crag craggy looking part where you like they're walking through the yeah where they're where they're going through the canyon yep yeah. yep that's in both the opening of dead alive and uh lord of the rings the third one mm-hmm. yeah uh, but yeah so we find out that rose and her father have are wanted for murder mm-hmm. uh and are they wanted for the murder of jay's uncle is that what the is referring well, to that took place in Scotland, yes, so right. I have a hard time believing that that's. But I don't. Know. That's the only murder. Or that's the only yes. like death we see that like is in any way related to them. Yeah, it's I t- think. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's like kind of said that like he's from a lot of money, like his family is, and so it's they put. Lord yeah, he's, 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 yeah. yeah, he's the heir of a lord. Yeah, and so they put out an international bounty on these two yeah. people because they the peasants kill him, right? Yeah, so that's the mistake. 
Yeah. 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 Lord Cavendish was killed by the peasants, and so they have to flee and come to the West mm-hmm. with this very large bounty on their heads. <laughs> I am the son of Lady Cavendish. For all those sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that, one of my favorite things about this movie is it's all Jay's fault. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. A, a, everything that happens in this movie, like, and this movie is so much about all of this senseless death, and, and all of it is the fault of this spaz. like idealistic spaz kid. <laughs> Silly, who, rich, naive who boy. Rose, Rose, Rose never even loved him. Uh, and like it was that, all about it's just his idealism caused all of this death and right. it's entirely jay's fault yeah it's the most like like oh my god i don't want to skip well it's like end. that whole like uh <laughs> that whole like nice guy thing where it's like oh like i was like so kind to her i was like this and that and she like never like returned my love it was like so much of that vibe of him like like just throwing all of his feelings onto her and like one of the lines that like you know is towards the end where silas is you know his heart was in uh he what was it he his heart was he loved you with all his heart yeah and she said well like his heart was his in the heart wrong place yeah. and yeah that's pretty much what it comes down to is like she never in any way returned his affections like she literally said you were like a little brother yeah to she me. friend zones yeah like, <laughs> like family zones him yeah it's like she at no point like is in any way like even leading him on like she is just like very outright about how she feels about him and it's not romantic in any way i know and it's hilarious <laughs> how early in the movie they let you know that and yeah that, like the whole thing is like him just trying to fulfill this like unrequited love and like it's not gonna happen and how it ends is just like (laughs) (laughs) that scene I feel was perfect because it's like so uh, Silas is using Jay to get him to use yeah using him as like this dowsing rod to Mm -hmm. find uh, Rose Rose and and her father yeah and then this other band of outlaws who Silas used to run with yeah is uh, on their tail. And so, a- a- A.K.A. Uh, Dutch Vanderland and his crew, if you've played Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> no, I have not. I just saw him as Western Triple X. <laughs> like, oh, with the furry yeah, jacket? Yeah. 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 So, so you have someone in a buffalo hide jacket with a who's... facial tattoo, and he might be the villain slash the leader of Silas's old gang. Shocker! Yeah, like, and oh, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's great! Like, I mean, come on, he looks so... He's, uh, but 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 for anyone listening to this who has played Red Dead Redemption 2, Payne is just straight up Dutch Vanderland. Like he is one hundred percent Dutch Vanderland, like his crew is Dutch Vanderland's gang. It it's so So maybe you've seen that character before. (laughs) (laughs) But in a video game. (laughs) But yeah. Is it such a boring trope that we've seen over and over and over again? Alright, so we found out. So maybe Tara just hates things that start with W. She hates women and she hates Westerns. Oh, there we go. Okay, perfect, perfect. There we go. Women and Westerns. Actually, I love both. Uh, but yeah, so uh, as we like kind of get to like this like huge shootout, uh, Jay is like trying to make his way to Rose and he like finally gets inside. He like finally. Oh, wait, hang, hang like, on, hang on. Can I? Can I, we... I, I, I want to set up why like this is like why well, I was laughing in All the right. final scene. <laughs> or do you guys want to talk about why? Well, I feel like it's meant to be comedic. Is the thing I don't see it as I found it to be comedic. I was laughing at it, not with it. No, <laughs> it's totally one hundred percent supposed to be comedic because so we're talking about Jay's 
like the untimely demise well, of Jay's death, right? Yeah. yeah. The, so, the untimely demise they set up at the beginning of the movie where Rose um, does like a bow oh, yeah. and arrow at him. So you're like, oh, look, do you think he's going to not only get shot by an arrow in this movie, but also be accidentally killed by Rose? Dirt. Yeah, well, yeah, we know that. Do you have fun? I do. <laughs> um, I do. Because, I do. Like, yeah, the, the movie's oh, right. like teeing right. you up for this specifically. They're, they're telling you like... <laughs> I don't think at any yeah, I don't think at any point they're like I think at every point in this movie they are telling you that like he, this is a futile thing for him to be doing. This is a dumb thing that is more than likely going to end up in his death. Like I don't think at any point it's like meant to be like that surprising that this happens. So, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so so Rose and her dad they're in they're at the house and the bounty hunters have finally caught up with them. Fastbender tries to warn them, but it's too late. Bounty hunters are already shooting at the house. They kill uh, Rose's dad, and so it's Rose like shooting at the bounty hunters with her boyfriend and. Um, and like shit's hitting the fan, and then finally Jay shows up. He was tied to a tree to save his own life. Long story. Um, and so he runs into the house to like save Rose, and Rose thinks he's one of the bounty hunters and spins around and shoots him in the chest and doesn't even realize who he is and goes back to the gunfight and everything. And um, and and they continue the gunfight, and Jay is watching them, and this is where it's obviously a joke because he's watching Rose and her boyfriend, and they kiss, and the gun shoots Ugh. a bottle of salt above his head. And yeah, it's salt literally, literally salt in the wound on his on his wound, <laughs> and like that's what I was just like, this is what? just so, absolutely perfect. Great. So what's perfect about that? Because that's where I actually paused it and laughed at the movie, like because I don't find that comedic. I find that like, why are we going this over the top? Like, because it's, because that's the joke. That's the whole the whole movie is nothing but jokes like that. So a naive, rich white boy causes destruction. That's why is that funny? I don't. <laughs> well, I, I think it's I think it's like because it ends in his own demise is what it's supposed to be like. He's like yes, he does all of this and all of these other people die, but it really just like ends in his own demise. And I think that's what it's supposed to be like. And and we like at the end, like the guy who he's always been describing as a brute is the one who gets his girl, is the one who raises the family and right. has yeah, the so, whole like, like, idealized. Yeah, exactly. The, so the, I was who ready. has the John Ford Western ending. Yes. So I was writing, oh, maybe this is a story, shocker, about a soft man who becomes hard and a hard man who becomes soft, which they then fucking tell us in the movie where they say the thing about um, that is a fallen angel and a rising devil. Like, this movie, hit, like, show, don't tell, right? Maybe that's what, where the humor is that I'm missing, and where I'm like, I'm this person, is, this movie is screaming at me Right. All of the tropes, all the jokes. So it reminds me of a Kurt yeah. Vonnegut book where he tells you exactly the purpose of the book that he's writing before he writes the book. I don't, but I don't think this movie is smart enough to do that. And in, <laughs> so, let me finish. Um, in that, in that, it's like from like moment one, it's telling you that his whole goal is futile. Like she doesn't love him. He's after he's trying to fulfill an unrequited love that's never going to happen. Like Fastbender steps in and literally saves his kid's life from a quote den of wolves and. And, like, the entire time, it's just showing you that, like, this whole mission is futile. They could die at any moment for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Thus, the Western theme, mm -hmm. that it's just brutal out there. Great. And, and, and that it just beats you over the head with it. And then the climax of it all is just, like, you see it coming from a million miles away. And the fact that they have, like, an actual, like, slapstick physical comedy of salt on wound... Is just like is I mean that's that's just perfect to me. I couldn't and stop is, laughing. And this for me is why it's Nicholas Sparks because it's formulaic, over the top, laughable. So that's why I think it's it's nihilistic humor 
that is that is the heart of it. That it, it has to be over the top because it's like, look, look at look at how futile this it, is to it, begin it's, with. It's all about how like meaningless all of it is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I feel like it can be both of those things, and you both can feel the way that you feel about them. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> like because it, it is like I I feel like you guys are both agreeing with like exactly what the premise of the movie is, what yeah. the movie is doing. Yeah. It, I just, just think Tara like, doesn't like it. And that's yeah. like, yeah. But sometimes you don't like it. I think it's actually, well, we can get into the depiction of Native Americans and women and people of color if we want to. Like, the issues of representation are so like, problematic. As in non-existent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's, we're going back to Well, that. there's there's Native yeah. Americans. So let's talk about the yeah. scene with um, Werner. Let's talk about where he finds the, like, um, he... Jay runs away from Silas, and the first person he encounters is a German man who is a writer slash um, like anthropologist of a sort, who's like writing an account of like the how like trying to preserve the existence or like the life of the Native American tribes and all that stuff before they're destroyed, killed, or converted to Christianity. Like trying to preserve like, all this stuff of like their culture and everything before it's wiped out. Yeah. So, well, and, so and, is... and, but again, this is again, if you've seen a Western, like, oh, do you think that like an open flame on the, the giant fire on an open plane is maybe a trap? <laughs> like, oh, shocker that he doesn't have his uh, Jay's best interest in mind. Like, oh. But <laughs> yeah, as far as like the, the representation yep. uh, part of that, where he says, uh, and I find it again, kind of going back to like this being very on the nose and again, like very much like. Yeah, telling you what is like happening in this movie and telling you what this movie is about. Uh, one of the things that he says is, uh, what is it? Uh, talking in, re in reference to the natives is a race extinct, their culture banished, their places renamed. Uh, only then will they be viewed with selective nostalgia and vidalicized and romanticized in the safe guise of art and literature and it's like the movie's doing the same thing yes like, the, movie, the, movie <laughs> the movie's doing this and it's very mindfully doing it no it, I, I would say it's not mindfully doing it it's throwing in the mythologized and romanticized to like throw a token that like look we know that this is problematic but you never see anything from a Native American's point of view you uh, the women of color don't even have lines in this movie right like that it, it actually it it's kind of like, well, we know that we're supposed to do this kind of thing, but you know what? This is still going to be about white men in the West. Do they, uh, I'm forgetting if they like even show Rose's boyfriend's body in that last like panel. You see his they do. No, yeah. no, they show, they show his body. Okay. You see his feet. Okay. Yeah. Rose's boyfriend. They don't show his death, but they do, they show his body. Kotori, is that his name? Yeah, Kotori, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he also wipes the blood of Jay on his face before he goes out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess this, like going into the issues of representation for me, like, to, this goes back to the conversation we had with uh, about Buster Scruggs, Scruggs yeah, whatever. Buster Scruggs, Scruggs, yeah. Scruggs, thank you. Is that today to like make the choice to um, make a film about American history without addressing race at all, right? I'm gonna quote um, Damon Young here, uh, who's a blogger and author and super awesome. So you oh. can't talk about, yo, nice. I have his book right over there. Oh, awesome, so I'm, I'm, somewhere, I'm like paraphrasing his book, right? Where he talks about that, like you can't talk about American history without putting race on the first page, in the first paragraph, in the first sentence, the first word, right? Genocide and slavery is where our country started. So today, in the 2000s, we'll just call it, or like the last 10 years at least, to make the 
choice to make a film about American history without addressing race is intentionally an act of, it's like intentional exclusion. What's well, the definition Prob of erasure? Exactly. Yeah. It's problematic at best and perpetuating a particular racist narrative about our history at worst, right? So like the f that it's like, well, it's just not a story about that. Or like, it's just working on these tropes. You can work on these tropes and actually talk about women's experiences or people of color's experiences or yeah, indigenous well, people's they experiences. Show, <laughs> they show those people like in the movie, but they never really give them anything to do outside of, again, be kind of this like set reflection. Pieces. Just of, to be yeah. like, yeah, kind of set dressing. I mean, there is like a woman of color-ish running with Payne's gang there is yes like... her name is Madeline Sammy and she's actually Irish Fiji and she lives um, in New Zealand and I this was going to be in the recommendation section but she actually writes stars and directs in her own films which are also on Netflix so to put her in that movie with no lines is kind of like what? she has like one line yeah Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Commenting, <laughs> saying good story when an old white man tells a story that it, yes, yep. is very like Western tropey. Yep. But again, it's it's a thing of well, it, the the story that this guy is telling is mocking Western tropes. It's because the he's telling this story and the people are acting it out drunk history style, where like it's still it's still him doing it, but the other <laughs> actors are like lip syncing to his dialogue. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and again, like I feel like very much like with Brester Scruggs, like there were a lot of things that I liked about it, and then there were a lot of those like glaring things where, uh, yeah, the stories that you choose to tell are uh, indicative of your own experience and your own and your values. Yeah, yeah. and um, <laughs> yeah, allowing other people in the room to like tell those stories with you if you're like what, a person who has the platform to do that. Uh, is something that needs to happen more often because, yeah, there's there's a lot of stories that are told from one particular point of view and, like, the Coens are a really good example. Uh, Nolan is another really good example where, like, in 2019, after, like, 20-plus year, like, film <laughs> careers, they're, like, hi, like, they're casting their first black leads in movies. After, and, tw after two decades. Yeah, uh, and so, yeah, like, the, those stories that people choose to tell and, like, th that lens is something where, if you don't have multiple people in the room who come from different backgrounds, then it becomes very easy to fall into those same well, uh, it, like isn't stereotypes. That, isn't that an auteur problem? I mean, if we get to a thing of like, it's a film made from the perspective of one filmmaker, like, can't they not help but do it from their perspective? So well, I mean, they can bring other people into the room. Like, like Wes Anderson is all his movies are about daddy issues. For instance. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I mean. It, it's kind of a thing like the Coen brothers are auteurs like this movie is made by John McLean it's like his first feature the first movie that this guy's made but he is it's written and directed it's very much his own project like he's an auteur so yeah and that's why some people say that's the exact so, so are we saying that the well, yes. problem yeah. with movies is auteur directors no because well, no, they're all white dudes it's a matter <laughs> of like straight white and it's a matter of the dudes. stories that they choose to tell yes. like and, and I, if you're choosing to tell a particular story and not understanding the different angles that it could be approached from, then that's a matter of your own blindness and your own like short-sightedness. And like that's not to say that people can't make great movies and that like these like they haven't made great movies. It's just to say that there's a limited perspective with like through which they think. And, and, and yeah, I, 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 I think, I think you're right. Some stories that like 
I've heard some this version that... of American history. I've heard this version of American history over and over and over to the point, as you guys are pointing out, that they're like making fun of it, right? The way I love this movie best is if you think of it like Ho for the West because it's a real thing. I imagine that like folks in New Zealand read that guide this year and said, we're going to build a whole movie based on everything in that guide. <laughs> like that kind of is actually funny, but um, that's not what we do. <laughs> Instead, it's I think I, I maybe maybe I missed the point of this movie that it's making fun of the genre. I don't, I, I don't get what the point. Of this I don't movie know enough is. about the genre to say like again. I don't know like the yeah. end jokes. I don't know. I, I, like, it's not like flat out like haha pointing at making fun of the genre. It's more taking like a comedic, uh, like like Dennis said, nihilistic comedic story and dropping it into this genre and and using that as a way to kind of poke fun at the genre but it's not it's it's not blazing saddles it's not right, like right, right. coming out parody. and like yeah. <laughs> openly parodying the genre it's using the genre as a way to tell like a kind of dark comedic story and at the same time take shots at the genre okay <laughs> that's actually a really good description <laughs> yeah thank you yeah I just uh, why, why? <laughs> that, that that sorry that's where I keep ending up is the like what's the why of it all because part of what I'm gonna put this in the category of like um you know how like the new Star Trek reboots the ones with um JJ the, the Kelvin timeline yes oh is that what it's called nice. yes nice uh, as the resident Trekkie that it, it yes. because in the JJ Abrams first Star Trek movie yes the timeline splits when the USS Kelvin travels oh, through that time. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it is now like there are two separate timelines of the Star Trek universe, and the J.J. Abrams verse is known as the Kelvin timeline. And J.J. Abrams, when he was making the, <laughs> that movie, said it, that Star Trek is quote too philosophical, right? That he wanted to. So basically, he took. He, every, he's trying to split from the Roddenberry version. Yes, of, and he's trying to yeah. split from what I think a lot of Star Trek nerds, myself included, which why I, I don't even bother watching his movies because they're basically space adventures with no Star they're, Trek. They're right? action movies set into the Star Trek. Universe, universe, which is but. which is why I, I mean I I like them, but they're not they're not within the spirit of traditional Trek. Yes, because the spirit of traditional Trek is like asking really big questions, like can an android be a human? Like what are the implications of like well, interracial like is, or is an android like uh, a sentient like life form? Yes, exactly. Or like sorry, this this, this is way too much of a tangent. Yes. But, but um. my point is, my point is, is that I think of that. Uh, apparently now it's called it's called the Kelvin timeline of it's like it's like science fiction for people who don't like science fiction. I feel like this is might be westerns for people who don't like westerns because it takes all of the superficial elements of the genre and strips out all of the big morality questions right that if it's just a nihilistic view of you know this idiot kid in the wild west like what i love about the genre is it has these big moral ethical questions and there's no question in the center of this movie that's why i dislike it so much but i mean that's the that's the the movie is forcing you to ask your own ethical question though it's like is it Right, well, never <laughs> <laughs> no, but what is no, it for you? What is cool. it for you? Oh, I no, feel uh, like I can't really have a conversation anymore about this movie. Oh no! Uh, oh, am I shutting it out too much? No, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I I just view it like the reason why I love nihilistic movies is that it's like it's like look, here's these things that we are really passionate about that like, and here's a story about all these emotions and stuff, and look, it's all for naught. 
and and in that like where the lesson that i learned is like fucking love your life yeah. love love the things that like actually mean things to you because it's all for naught we're all gonna die at the end yeah, and yeah so, we are dust and so that's that's why i like this movie i don't think it i mean if if it had to deal with i mean i agree with you it's obviously since because of the setting and everything it's erasure of just you know the political nature of america and everything but i mean if it if it took in the account of of women in the in the west and native americans in the west and and african americans in the west and they elaborated on like the you know the obvious victims of the civil war that they come across like the french uh, african americans that are yeah, all like yeah the um like this movie would be so bloated and it would be like this like over elaborate story that wouldn't be what slow west is about at all and so I mean, it, it, it would like if this movie were to take itself as seriously as you want it to, it would drain all the humor from it. Or maybe alternately, that if it took into account all those different views, you might not end at nihilism. It might not be about nihilism, and it would be a movie that it would take away what you all find funny and like lovely about it. Does that it make sense? It would be a different movie. Yes, it would be a different movie. But as again, going back to Damon Young, that like. Some people are afforded the view of nihilism when not everybody is afforded that view. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a, that's for, a, for okay. sure. Like, I mean, like that, that goes without saying, like, I mean, you can't go through this life expecting that everyone understands your point of view. Well, that's like, um, you know, I am notoriously on this podcast, uh, not a fan of like, you know, a lot of like the Carn Brothers things yep. or like you know like yeah I again I'm not a huge fan of like the whole it all doesn't mean anything at all um, as Sorry we've witnessed like it, I, I went very into depth on that in the Buster Scruggs episode um, of my problems with that and I yeah I, I found this movie to be uh, less like I didn't find this movie to be as like heavy-handed with that, and so I and I definitely found like more humor in it. Uh, but yeah, I get that perspective of like, yeah, I'm I don't I don't have like a religion. I don't have like even really like a spirituality necessarily per se. But like, I definitely believe in you know, you know, I believe in people. Like, I believe in connecting with people. I believe in you know, I believe in more like long term than just kind of. Um, even if like uh you know you are saying you know when you die that's the end of it then yeah then that means like you know as dennis was saying like then yeah live your life like to its fullest and i don't necessarily know if you can say that if like your entire mentality is that like none of it means anything and that seems to be kind of like a recurring thing like especially like yeah with the coen brothers uh of like oh yeah none of it means anything and it's like well okay but like maybe you can find meaning in well you know, i think that, that's those. what the coen brothers are saying in a lot of their films too is like it all like we shouldn't be ascribing all of this stuff to like an afterlife or to like a higher meaning like you should be looking for the meaning within your own life and i think the way they most strongly do this is in fargo because at the end of fargo like it's been all of the senseless death but what they leave us with is margie and norm yes. and they're talking about like we just got a, like a couple more months and like then we're gonna have our kid and like and they're talking so, about stamps at the end. talking about yeah. stamps it's beautiful like and we come back to this thing and like so like it's all about like yes all of this is like meaningless senseless violence but what we end with is like margie and norm have found happiness together and so we're going to like get some meaning from that yes 
and that's where this movie ends too. Is like it does, it, and that and that's probably why like Fargo is one of like the Coen mo- brother movies that I really really like, mm-hmm. uh, and why I did enjoy this movie is because yeah, in the end they yeah they show like all of those dead bodies, they show all of that death and destruction, and then uh at the end of it though it's you know rose and silas with these two kids who before <laughs> the their parents Swedish were killed kids. the, the, like, the Swedish children rob. who were taken in by uh Payne's gang yeah and then like at the end they do find a home like being adopted by fassbender and and rose yeah so yeah it's it's not like um yeah it's not just all like nothing at the end there is a little bit of like Okay, like yeah, now we get to like make this life for ourselves. Rose still can't make what was like a flan. What was she trying to make with that box? It was, it was like a butter. butter. Oh, was it butter? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it was like you know, like just like this cute little like homestead mm-hmm. moment where um, yeah, at the end it all kind of came together nicely, and I enjoyed that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna. Do oh, got, let, like, let me just like, us? A, a, yeah, I, I have a couple quick notes like. Um, they do like a couple times double down on like simple luxuries of like things that you wouldn't have like if you're traveling in the west like how luxurious it is to be able to sit in a chair yeah is doubled down on i love um, that teapot that he had in his group that jay had in his yeah. case too. And he just chucks over his shoulder he's like get rid of this <laughs> he's like you're gonna kill um, your horse I, I did write down that uh, the Hound might be the hairiest man alive oh my God. since Robin Williams has sadly passed. I mean, at the end of the movie, when his shirt is open, the man has scrub oak growing out of his <laughs> chest. No, it's like, but like up his chest, like connecting to his neck and through his beard. He has a chest beard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like that. the ultimate neck beard. Um, the neck beard is the way I list. Uh, I, I also want to say that um, after watching The Snowman, it's good to be uh, reminded that Fassbender is in fact an actor. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, Fassbender, like this, is very much a project of Michael Fassbender. He's an executive producer on right. this movie, yeah. so like, like he plays he, a good cowboy. He played a big part of getting this movie made. Um, mm. But then I will just go with it has a six point nine on IMDb, a seventy two Metacritic, a ninety two percent Rotten Tomatoes, and a seventy four percent Audience Tomatoes. And I feel like uh, another thing that we that never really comes into account with the Rotten Tomatoes one is like, I think it's like if it's above like, like a 60% or like a three star rating, it like goes into like the positive pool of things. So like that 90% could very well be like, you know, a bunch of like three star ratings or like, you know, but like mostly positive. Yeah. A bunch of people who gave it, people who give it like a C plus. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, that's one of the things I was like thinking about when I, when I ever go through Rotten Tomatoes anymore, it's like such a weird scale of a rating system. Yeah. It's, it's, (laughs) it's an odd way of, of judging a thing is like, well, if most of the critics give it like above a 50%, then it's fresh. If like most of the critics give it below a 50%, then it's rotten. And like, but it's like it doesn't really take that much into account, like how much the critics like this particular movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what, yeah the Metacritic. I, I usually that's the one I usually like think of when I think of the general score of a movie. Not that I really like to score movies because <laughs> because it's all art subjective. because art is subjective. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> turning art into numerical scores. Yeah. <laughs> We're like trophies for art, but you know, that's a whole other episode. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, does anyone else have any other notes on this? Or 
All right, well, we're going to take a break, and when we get back, we're going to have some recommendations for you. All right. Do you guys, you know what a bad idea is? Traveling across the Western frontier, trying to win the love of someone who just doesn't love you back. <laughs> but you know what a good idea is, is liking and subscribing to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, also rating also and reviewing Also rating us. and reviewing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a very good idea. Uh, and not at all a spazzy thing to do. Um, yeah, that's actually pretty badass. So you should do that. Like, just like us, review, rate. If you got a, if you're on like the iTunes, give us five stars. And yeah, you probably hear it on the show once we get some reviews in. So do that, people. And now we've got some recommendations for you. And let's start with Colin this week. What do you got for us? Um, I've mentioned a little bit during the episode, but if you like this movie, you should definitely play Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, like a even better storyline in that than in the first Red Dead Redemption. And if you've played that game, you know that that is saying quite a lot because it's a great story in that game. Uh, this one's even better. Arthur Morgan is a better character than John Marston. Uh, just cannot recommend Red Dead Redemption 2 high enough. But also, um, sadly, CISO is a thing that no longer exists. But the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show was a thing that happened on CISO. But now you can find it in various other places on the internet. I've been watching it on YouTube. But uh, if you enjoy the McElroy family and the McElroy family of products, you will like the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show. So seek that out. Nice. I was actually just listening to uh, Never Seen It. And they were talking about CISO and how pretty much like everyone involved with CISO would like joke about CISO. And that might have like contributed to <laughs> yeah. why CISO would never take yeah. it seriously. Maybe the fact that, <laughs> that everybody involved with CISO was like, oh, this thing. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tara, do you get some yeah, stuff for us? I do. I do. Actually, uh, Dennis, if you uh, really liked the, you know, like, nihilism of this movie and the kind of man against Well, nature. I can afford to. Yes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I can afford to too, right? Sometimes. Um, but the man's violence set against it. What's this? What, fuck, what's the quote? What's this war in the heart of nature? Thin Red Line, if you haven't seen it, Terrence Malick made in the 90s. I think it's definitely, it's like the poetic, super poetic version of this film. And I think you all would really like it. Obviously, Buster Scruggs, we've talked about that. Um, a uh, movie that's about the point of view of a white female female settler is Meek's Cutoff from like five years ago starring Michelle Williams. Um, mm -hmm. Yep, and so directed by I Kelly like Reichart. Yep, so that that would be a movie to check out. Um, I would check out movies in this genre. I was trying to pull like the top five, I don't know, from a like, wide range of Westerns. So Shane, The Searchers that you mentioned before, Colin, The Unforgiven, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. The Revenant. I was trying to go from different decades and different styles, yeah. but those are all movies. Um, Madeline Sammy, the uh, woman who, the woman, the female gang member in this, um, she has a one of her movies that she writes, stars, and directs and co-directs in, is called The Breaker Uppers, which I don't know if any of you have seen this on Netflix, but it is like the funniest fucking movie in the world. They have a song about um, "Let me lay you down because I want to give it to you in your neck." <laughs> like it is fucking funny um, I would check that out um, if you want to look at like movies that deal with the American genocide real well I don't know if there are any like I'm loath to recommend Dances with Wolves because it's, uh, it's kind of problematic but I do have a book 
And I think you all would love this book and it should be required reading for everybody because it's fucking funny, right? It's written about the American genocide with humor by um, uh, both a historian and, uh, and someone who is himself a First Nations scholar and is uh, uh, indigenous American. So it's called, it is fucking hilarious. This book has blown my mind. Um, the Inconvenient Indian, A Curious Account of Native People in North America by Thomas King. And it has amazing illustrations and it like talks about the history, both with like sadness, rage and humor all at once. So I would highly, highly recommend this book. And I just had a, another recommendation yeah. jump to mind. Um, if, if you're looking for a Western that has a female lead, but is also campy as hell and from the 90s, yes. um, The Quick and the Dead. Yes, The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Ooh. Yep. Where she's a lady gunfighter who moves to a town that's ruled by Gene Hackman with an iron fist. Yes. And she <laughs> she and duels her way to victory. It, it's campy as hell. It's, it's a lot hilarious. of fun. And yes. teenage uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, a very is young Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio in it. Yeah. 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 Right on. Dennis, you got any recommendations for us? Um, yeah, I got a, a music artist that I'm absolutely obsessed with, and he's a, a lesser-known artist. Um, George Clanton, not George Clinton. It's George, <laughs> George Clanton. Clanton. It's Clanton, C-L-A-N-T-O-N. If you are a fan of any deep-throated 80s musician, just check him out. He is great. Um, I can't really express more than that, except for the fact that he would be on every single... 80s romance movie soundtrack <laughs> that you can think of because he's just such a home run in that genre. Um, George Clanton, check him out. Great, very nice. Uh, so yeah, again, speaking of like, um, yeah, Western overtones and like people of color, specifically women of color. Uh, Solange, uh, her new album is called When I Get Home, and she is from Houston and like very like you know it's a country place and you know she grew up you know horses and cowboy hats and you know boots and spurs and it's very um it's almost like psychedelic um it's like it's, it's a very like psychedelic very jazz but also still like has these like really interesting uh like tones of like like her home place you know because it's it's called when i get home and so mm -hmm. um yeah it's really interesting um and again with this whole um you know Billy Ray Cyrus and Little Nas X thing, one of the really cool things that has been um, like surging through social media is like a lot of black people talking about, um, you know, like Western uh, and, you know, just like kind of country rural living um, in a lot of the different places that very often just kind of goes ignored uh, in, again, like a lot of these stories where uh, the people that are centered on are usually, you know, the white cowboy and there's a very, very rich history that I definitely don't know enough about uh, in America of, you know, black cowboys, of, mm -hmm. you know, black people in the West, you know, black rodeos, all of these mm -hmm. things are things that exist. And yeah, would be something great to learn more about. Um, and then speaking of Damon Young, um, his book is What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker. Um, and that's one that I've like had sitting on my shelf that I need to read uh, for a little while. I've read like one or two of the essays in there because it's a memoir through a series of essays. Um, so yeah, since you brought that up, yeah. Uh, yeah, his book would be also very good reading. There's an episode of The Dollop of the first uh, black uh, sheriff in the West. I'll have to track it down for you. It's yeah, you got to make sure you tell me which episode <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, because I, I, got, I want to hear that yeah. one. So that's a great yeah that's I'm just gonna double down if you ever so you know American history check out the dollop 
Oh yeah, um, I, I also recommend the dollop. Also, Very Australian high. history. Yeah. <laughs> is it what is is it a podcast? It's, it's a, a podcast. podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, um, two comedians, Dave Anthony. He reads um, stories of lesser known American history awesome. to his buddy Gareth Reynolds, who doesn't know anything about the story, and so they cover mostly dirt bags, but also some really cool freaking events. And, awesome. Um, I mean, it's all entertaining. It's, you learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, learn. yeah, it's, it's a cry. super fun podcast. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and if you are uh, like, if you skew politically the way that we do, you will also like this podcast because. They... <laughs> Which I feel like you can probably get a vibe of what that is uh, yeah. <laughs> from yeah. literally everything that we've said. <laughs> no, I'm gonna recommend a Stormfront podcast. <laughs> yeah. Guys, get on Breitbart.com. <laughs> <laughs> We all have our MAGA hats on. Recording this. Well, awesome. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, You can find us online. We are on Twitter at IWITWT, on Facebook.com at forward slash groups, forward slash IWITWT. You can find us on Stitcher, Podbean, Podcaster, Overwatch, Apple Overcast. Podcast, Podcast Addict. Uh, yeah, I think we've still got those smoke signals going out somewhere. We do. Like we still a, have the the bus ads, like going like just the transcripts of our podcast written on the sides of buses going yeah. around Denver. Um, yeah, yeah, we've we've still got that stuff going. So we, uh, we I think we still have that ROM hack, like in the game Overwatch, that if you like execute a frame perfect jump. Uh, you can just get the feed of our podcast in Overwatch. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, keep an eye out for more information on our panel at Denver Pop Culture Con. We will be doing that and we will have more details for you upcoming. So um, yeah, keep an eye on our social media feeds for more info. And you can find both Colin and I individually online. Colin, where are you at? I am at Colin Munch. And I'm at Cathartikiss. Um, you can and email me. Yeah, Tara and Dennis <laughs> are like <laughs> healthy, functioning human beings who just like stay off of social media for the most part. You can part find me around town, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mental well-being. Because, yeah. You can yeah. sneak out yeah. yeah. around the Denver you. area. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks guys. Goodbye.